0: God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Solon. Now, with these two economies, That we spoke of the last time. Let's go back and look at the foundation of these two economies and how they began to affect mankind. Let's go back to Genesis, uh, the the third chapter, where God now calls three persons to account. He calls the serpent to account, he calls the woman. To account, calls Eve to account and He calls Adam to account. Now before that, of course, God had said to man that, here it is, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, this is from Genesis chapter 2, At verse 16, the Lord God commanded, uh, here, the Lord God took, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die." And then God uh, set them both in the garden and made the two of them, made the woman out of the man, They two became one flesh and they were both engrafted into that original economy. What again is this economy? Because again, when we looked at uh, Revelation 13, the weapon of the enemy is an economy. Everybody has to agree to submit their labor, the work of their right hand, typifying their labor, their abilities, their strength, um, and the mindset, hence the, the symbolism of marking on the right hand and on the forehead. This doesn't have a thing to do with vaccines, this has to do with an economy, with an economy, people doesn't have a thing to do with vaccines. Those are choices people are making to talk about. They are not about the mark of the beast, vaccines are not about the mark of the beast. That's tantamount to old wives' tales, that's been around a long time in various iterations, this is just the current crop of foolish iterations. Now you may choose to have objections to vaccines for a variety of reasons, but the mark of the beast ought never be one of them. Okay? It's not that, this is the red herring, this is a red herring, this is a distraction, it's a distraction uh, propagated by people who benefit from it. No, it is not that, the mark of the beast is not about a discussion of vaccines, the mark of the beast is about a discussion of e- entire economic systems. All right. Now, the economy of Adam and Eve, when God made them and before the fall, was fully provided for by God, of all the trees of the garden. This is what God said, "...of every tree of the garden you may freely eat." I like that framing particularly well because if you ever to ask a question as Satan did, is there anything to eat around here? The answer is, every tree you can see. As far as you can see, every tree that bears fruit that's edible, we may eat of it. There's only one singular exception. Herein lies the abundance of God. Adam and Eve were not restricted to a handful of select trees, every tree was given to them for food, every tree this one, that one, this one, that one, the one over there, every every tree, an abundance. Man had no need. Why am I emphasizing this? Because when we are returned to the economy of God, it represents a plentitude, every tree of the garden. Creation was constructed to sustain the purposes of God worked out in and through the sons of God. You're never going to be hungry. This is how David put it, "...I was young, now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread every tree i want to in in some senses i want to engrave that concept upon your thinking so as it becomes a counterpoint to the fear and terror that you won't have enough It is this driving fear that lures people into obedience, the submission of the works of their hands and the submission of their minds to this demonically based system. But before, in the beginning, it was every tree that was given to mankind, every tree. There's only one exception. Every tree but one. All right, now, with that, going forward, the serpent comes into the garden, and this is referred to in the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter, rather, in the book of Revelation, the 12th chapter. It's referred to as that ancient serpent, the devil and Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was cast down and His angels with Him. So when it speaks of the serpent in the garden, that serpent in the garden is not a static reality, it's Satan at the beginning and Satan behind all of the developments and Satan who comes forth giving his power, his throne and great authority to this bestial system of seven heads and ten horns which Daniel described as a kingdom. This is the fourth of four kingdoms, predatory kingdoms they prey upon the mindsets of mankind which is why they're likened to a a lion, a bear and a leopard, all in nature predatory creatures and the fourth and final of these kingdoms or beasts in typology is greater than all the others in that it crushes and devours the whole earth Now we've gone over this before, so in some ways this is the summary that leads us to the inevitable conclusions. This is the Scripture interpreting the Scripture. This is how having wisdom and having understanding allows you to determine, to to, uh, perceive, to discern, that's the word I was looking for, to discern the number of the beast. As we've said, all the rest of it is just mindless conjecture and if you go that way you will be deceived. I don't know how else to say. Now into this existing full supply, full economy, Satan comes and his first address is to an economy. Do you notice that? Like I said, some things are so obvious that their share, the sheer obviousness of them is why we stumble over the truth of what they're saying. So he comes and what does he say? This is Genesis chapter 3, at verse one, has God indeed said, "You shall not eat of every tree of the garden"? Now, notice the cunning of this. It says the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field. What had God said? God said, "You may eat of." every tree of the garden, that's the plentitude of God, that's the abundance associated with God, every one of them. You may eat from whichever one you want, any time you want, with the exception of one. But look at how the enemy frames the question, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What's the deception? He uses the word every but it's not that throws you off. In other words, did God mean it when He said you could eat of every tree of the garden? Where is He going with it? He wants to include the one that God said, "...don't eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die." So he's saying, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, it is to say, you don't really have the freedom you think you do, you can't eat of every tree of the garden. And God had said, you may eat of every tree in the garden. This is the subtlety of demonic wisdom, it turns just a hair but it's just enough to create doubt. Again, God said, you may eat of every tree in the garden. Satan challenges that by saying, you really cannot eat of every tree of the garden, Because there's one you can't eat of. Why is he holding back on you in that one? It shrinks the abundance to the exception. You see? That's how Satan does when he comes to spy out your liberty. When he comes to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has you focus on the One as if the One is definitive of every. Anytime there is any measure of conflict, what do people obsess about? They obsess about the exception and they forget about the plentitude in a husband-wife relationship. How often do we hear the term, he or she always says? And the thing that is referred to as always is the sticking point. Well no, that's not what he or she always says, they say many other things but in that moment you don't care to know what the other things are because you're hurt by the one thing and you use the one thing to define the whole relationship. That is classically how people misunderstand. It's how people classically misunderstand. When someone is telling you something, they're speaking out of a context that's unique to them. You are hearing it in a context that is unique to you. In order to understand what the other is saying to you, you have to adorn your mindset with their context. If you adorn your mindset with your context, then you'll only hear the thing that is offensive and how often people withdraw on the basis of the hurt or the injury that has been inflicted by the one thing that they've heard in their mindset, not even in the mindset of the one speaking. They withdraw and conclude and lose the whole extent of the relationship because the exception becomes the offense. Fortunately, Adam and Eve had not yet been compromised so Eve set him straight. Eve said, "...but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Uh, uh, rather Eve said, uh, no, we may eat of every tree of the garden except the one that's in the midst of the garden, that's verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat of the the fruit of the trees of the garden. In other words, we may eat of of every tree. She understood that the slight turning was not an accurate statement of what God had told them, so she corrected him. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, "...you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die." So she didn't fall for it. Similarly, a person who walks with God does not readily fall for a lie. Why? Because they see things from God's point of view. I wish I could develop this further, there's so much wisdom here uh, in understanding, uh, wisdom and understanding, in understanding the mind of God, in understanding the demonic mindset. Uh, But I have to move on. So then the serpent said, Uh, "...you you shall not surely die." That's not the truth. So the, the woman's clarity required the serpent to come out into the open. He couldn't, by subterfuge, hint and suggestion, distortion, he couldn't get where he wanted to go. So the serpent then had to say, you shall not surely die for god knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil so he had to lie about it all right so you know all of you know the rest of that story so i want to move now in the narrative which is genesis 3 when God now comes into the garden and confronts the three malefactors. They heard the sound of the Lord God, verse 8, walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. what, What an absolute tragedy defined in the framing of this language. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. I can't imagine something more tragic than that framing, to hide yourself from the presence of the Lord. Men love darkness rather than light when their deeds are evil, when they are in alignment with Satan. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ continues its cleansing work we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. So one of the mandates of walking with God is always being willing to be examined in the light and never hiding oneself from the presence of the Lord. I'll move on, I'm so tempted to unpack so much of this because it is is so incredibly rich, these just verses, words, Telling us about the human condition, so uh, God, the Lord God, comes to them in the garden. I'll move through uh, the confrontation and get down to verse thirteen. Uh, when the Lord God said to the well first, the Lord God said to Adam, uh, "Why, why are you hiding?" Who told you, you were naked? And his response was, Well, who told you, you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? His response was, of course, very male, very masculine, He threw the woman under the bus, Uh, woman you gave Me. So God didn't judge His response immediately, he goes down and he says to the woman, uh, whom he said, the Lord said to the woman, What is it that you've done? Giving, notice the, the fairness of God. He gives people a chance to talk about what they've done. The Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? So the man said, The woman threw her under the bus the woman said, "...the serpent deceived me and I ate." She owned it, which is a lot more heroic than her husband who was with her. He was content to say, "...the woman you gave me, so really it's your fault." If you hadn't given me this woman, you and i would be just like that we'd be would continue to be just close and in fellowship you messed it up by giving me the woman i was asleep when you gave me the woman you know it wasn't my idea he had forgotten all about flesh of my flesh bone of my bones and so on she shall be called woman now you notice something god didn't say to the serpent why have you done this? No, because he knew Him, knew His nature. He just went right to it and said, Because you have done this. All right. So here is what He gives to the serpent. First, these are the sentences God hands out, first to the serpent, upon your belly you will go and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now where did this war between the sons of God, the seed of the woman, Christ in typology, and the seed of the serpent? In Revelation 12 again, the ancient serpent, the devil, Satan, who leads the whole world astray, who was cast down, He gave His power His throne and great authority to the beast whose number is the number of a man. Six, six, six. So the offspring of the One is the Son of God and all those, according to John 17, included in the Son and we'll come to all of this. I'm laying out wisdom the wisdom that allows us to arithmos, to discern what these things are and not the folly that we've been fed for so long. God was the one who said that there will always be conflict between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Now, seed here, is the term offspring and it references that which in like type is like God or like Satan. So it's not about giving birth necessarily to something, that flesh begets flesh and spirit begets spirit Satan is a spirit that begets by impartation a spirit of conflict with the Spirit of the Son. We are not in our flesh the natural sons of God, God has only one begotten and that is His Spirit in the person of Christ Jesus hence He's called the Christ, Spirit begets spirit like flesh begets flesh. So what we've come to is there will always be, whatever the manifestation is, between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, God said, He is going to put enmity. So here is how it goes forward, you will always see enmity between that which is born of the devil and that which is born of God. There will always be murderous enmity. All right. So when we come back we'll look at the first six in this pattern of murderous enmity when man stepped out of the seventh day all of every tree of the garden, that's the economy of the seventh day, back into the economy of toil which we didn't quite finish but I will finish when we come back as we move on. And Sam Solon will continue this discussion. See you then, bye bye.